Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. My name is Martin Cohen, and today we're going to study material from page 68 in Tractate Pesachim. In ancient times, the rabbis imagined history to be linear rather than cyclical, and they supposed that history would end at a certain time when the Mashiach would come, the Messiah promised to the Jewish people and to the world, and usher in an age of tranquility and peace and brotherhood. This age they called Olam Haba, the world to come. But what is the exact relationship between the days of the Messiah and the world to come? How will they be different from each other? Which will precede which? These are the questions that the rabbis also pondered, and some part of their thinking on the matter appears on this page in the Gemara. We begin by contrasting two verses. Rav Chista thought that one verse, which says, a verse that comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 24, and seems to say that the moon will be embarrassed and the sun ashamed at the end of time, that that verse needs to be explained in light of a different verse, a verse that reads, V'haya or halevanak or hachama, or hachama yehiyeh shivat hayim ge'or shivat hayamim. That means this, and the light of the moon shall be like the light of the sun, but the light of the sun shall be 49 times brighter than the light of seven days, a whole week worth of sunlight. That verse comes from the book of Isaiah as well. But which is those? which of those verses is correct? The first one seems to say that in the days of the Messiah, in the world to come, there will be no light at all from the, from the sun or the moon. And the other one says that they'll be even brighter than today. So Rav Chista's explanation is simple. He says it's not a problem. He says, the one which speaks of there being no more sunlight at all, that's the world to come, when the light of God's presence will illumine the world. But the other one that says that the world's, the luminaries in the heaven, the sun and the moon, will become many, many times more bright than they are today, that references the days of the Messiah, when the history, when history will end, and the world will enter this period of transition. But the Gemara points out that seems to be in contravention of a statement by Shmuel, one of the greatest of all the Talmudic teachers, which was is very well known and very often cited, because Shmuel said, "Ein bein haolam abud malchuyot bilvad." That means that in the effect, in the in the end, there's no practical difference, or rather, there will be no practical difference between between this world in which we live now and the Messianic age when the Mashiach comes, except insofar as the Jewish people will not be subjected to suffering at the hands of of alienations. So if that's the case, then how can it be so that according to Rav Chista in the days of the Messiah, the uh, sun and the moon will become that much more intense? Shemuel says there won't be any difference at all, except with respect to uh, the geopolitics of the day. To this, the Gemara finds an interesting answer. It says that both 
of those verses, in effect, must reply to the world must apply to the world to come. But there's no de- real difficulty. In the verse that speaks about the sensa- cessation of sunlight and moonlight, we're talking about the the camp of the divine presence, the the epicenter of Jewish spirituality on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. In that place, the light of God's splendor will spill out into the entire world. Whereas in the Machanet Sadikim, in the rest of the world, where the righteous will gather to bask in the light of God's splendor, there they will obviously not live in darkness, but they will have the benefit of the vastly amplified sun and moon to light their way as they make their way towards Yerushalayim to encounter God in the, at the Temple Mount, which will be the, the final redemptive act that will usher in the world to come. And now the Gemara goes on to ask another question about the, the end of days. Rava, one of the great Talmudic rabbis, said this. In, in the Torah, in Sefer Devarim, we read a verse that says, Ani amit erpa. It means this. I shall have put to death, and I shall make alive again. I have brought wounds, I have wounded, but I shall heal. This is God speaking. So Rava says, if God can bring back to life those who are dead, so it seems sort of uh, superfluous for the Torah to go on and mention that God can also heal the wounded. Uh, Even doctors can heal people who are wounded, human doctors. Uh, Surely if God can grant life to the dead, God can grant healing to the ill or to the wounded, why does the Torah have to say that in so many words? Rather, Rava said, Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Ma sha'ani me'mit ani mechayei, what that means is, what I put to death, I shall make alive. I shall grant life to the dead at this great moment of Tichiata Metim, the revivification of the dead in the times in the in the world to come. And do not do not merely imagine that God's powers are limited to giving life and sustenance to those who are still alive. Even those who are dead, God can bring back to life and grant a, a um, restoration to good health. That lesson is also taught in a Baraita. A Baraita is a lesson in the Talmud that comes from the period of the Mishnah, but which does not actually appear in the book we call the Mishnah. In a Baraita, our rabbis teach this, Ani amit That verse implies, I put to death and I make alive, Yachol mita bechad v'chayim bechad kederek shalam noheg, it would be possible to misunderstand the beginning of the verse about God putting to people to death and then granting them life to assume that it means that he grants death to some and life to others in the way that the world works now, where some people recover from illness and other people succumb to it and die. Therefore, he has to say, just as it works today, that people who are wounded, those are people whom God heals, because how could God heal people who are not wounded? The whole concept of healing implies being wounded. The same way that the idea applies to the same people with respect to wounding and and being restored to good health, so does the Torah mean to say that the very people who die, those dead people are the people to whom God shall bring back, uh, whom God shall bring back to life in the in the world to come. Uh, 
And then they conclude by saying, From here, from this very verse in Sefer Devarim, we have a conclusive refutation to those who imagine that the rabbinic doctrine of the resurrection of the dead is not actually derived from Torah, but merely something that the rabbis themselves invented. Modern people, such as ourselves, contemplating passages like this are, are hard put to, to know what to make of them. Do we really believe that at the end of history the dead will rise, including all those who have lived and died in, in human history, including ourselves, if we're not lucky enough to be alive when the Mashiach comes and ushers into the, the world to come? Does it mean that the dead truly will rise from their graves? The rabbis believe that. They, they preached it. They taught it. They, they included it as a, as a basic doctrine of their faith in God. Uh, we recite uh, the, our we confess our faith in that doctrine three times a day in the Amidah. It appears all over the place in Rabbinic Midrash. And here in this passage, they insist that it is necessary to conclude that it derives directly from the Torah, not merely from the, the rabbi's own logical reasoning. Can we believe it today? I think we can. The, the solution is not to take it as an obvious commonplace or as something that no normal person would question, but to understand it as a prayer, as a hope, as a logical extension in our faith of, in God as the master of life and death, and as a way for framing our understanding of the linear nature of history so that we too will be urged to live our lives in such a way that, that through the good we do and the mitzvot we observe and the Jewishness that we propagate, the world will move forward towards its final redemptive moment at which time the Mashiach will come and usher in an age of great tranquility and peace that will, be, that will have as among its prime features the resurrection of the dead and the, resurrection, the restoration of life to all who have once known life and who lost it. Thank you. Goodbye. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros, from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.